nights when the moon is high. The shadows dance, evil will rise. The world between the living and the dead is thin. So now is the time to let the horror you know again. Welcome back to the horror you know. I'm Darren. I'm Ian. I'm also Ian. And this is a continuation of our story last week. Uh, we're missing Trent. So we're going to talk a little bit more about Ed Gein, little Eddie Gein. So we're going to talk about the first movie it inspired, which is Psycho. Let's do it. You guys know much about Psycho. You both watched it? I've yep. know a little bit about Psycho. The movie. Oh, the movie. Yeah, I've seen yeah, Psycho to my left over here. That's right. No, I've I've seen Psycho a few times. I've even watched some of those terrible spinoffs. Okay, yeah. they're not all terrible. No, no. I actually, you know, part two, part three, more violent. I like to think that most people, even if they haven't seen the movie Psycho, are at least familiar with the story. So, if they haven't seen it, let's talk a little bit about it. And it's directed by Alfred Hitchcock. Dum da 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 dum da dum. The Alfred Hitchcock. Okay, if you don't know anything about Alfred Hitchcock, you probably know zero about film and should turn this podcast off now. But but maybe not. Maybe you need to learn about film. And that's why you're here. But Alfred Hitchcock is a British director. He started off in the early '30s, I think, with some of his first movies like M. For murder, I think. And um, they were basically like thrillers and detective type films. And he's known as the master of suspense. You talked a little bit about that. So go ahead and explain that. He likes to build tension. Uh, I think he, a lot of directors kind of go in that direction. But I think he kind of uh, started that um, with, uh, with, you know, like Psycho, um, for example. And, and, and a few of those those others that you named now. One of my favorites is obviously Psycho, but the other uh, is The Birds. And The yeah. Birds is a slow burn at first. Yeah. And they definitely build build some uh, some some tension through that. But he, he likes using some good cinematography, shots and and uh, background noises and kind of like that. But they weren't nearly as what they are today, like with sounds like a... Well, and they were like the music. The music kind of kind of was uh was his bread and butter back then. I feel like that's where like you know your Steven Spielberg, your James Wan, John Carpenter's kind of get that that vibe from. Yeah. Um, I'm pretty sure they've all kind of mentioned that in interviews that they've all taken a little bit from Hitchcock because, like you said, he's the master of suspense. So um, it's kind of hard not to adopt some of that style. Yeah, and it's like film school 101. They start right away talking about Hitchcock and the Hitchcockian. It's real weird way to describe it Hitchcockian in fact we would have never got the legendary opening to scream without Alfred Hitchcock true true so yeah Hitchcock's the master of suspense he likes to use sound effects and the slow burn um I describe it to my film studies kids uh he likes to lull you to sleep and then build up tension and then punch you in the face really hard and he does that early on and then he backs off, and then he builds it again, and then he punches you in the face. So it's almost like it's like a roller coaster ride when you watch his films, and you see that direct influence in George Lucas and in Spielberg, and, and you see it in James Wan, and you see it in McDonald, who did Trick or Treat. 
uh, stuff like that. Yeah, uh, and even uh, what's his uh, uh, Flannery, Mike Mike Flannery, uh, that did uh, Midnight Mass. Yes, yes, definitely. And I love Midnight Mass, and it's definitely a new take on an old theme. I'm not going to give anything away, but yeah, you could see the influence directly. Alfred Hitchcock also employed some really cool stuff, especially during that time. In the 50s and the early 60s, when he came to America and became a bigger name than he was in England, um, he really liked that William Castle type, let's shock you for not only what you're seeing on screen, let's create promotion. And he was really good at that. So let's do stuff like, he would go like, if you're not in the theater before the opening credits have started, you will not be allowed inside, even with a ticket. You know, so he started that kind of like showmanship stuff. And William Castle would do crazy stuff like that. And even though his movies were not elevated type horror, and I hate that word elevated horror, but... His movies weren't like Psycho. They were more like bugs on strings and, and flying saucer pans. Gotcha. He would do stuff like, we're going to do barf bags, and you have to sign a life insurance policy and, you know, just crazy stuff. So it was like the advertising was sometimes better than the movies. But Psycho, for its time, and we were actually discussing this off air, nowadays is pretty tame, but for its time, it was shocking. We can compare and contrast... The Egg Gein story, which we had last week, and what Psycho actually had to offer. So, what do you guys think about it? Like the similarities in the stories? Yes. Well, you can definitely see the influence in the mother part. Of course. Uh, the mother Bates part, was, the messed up child as a result, yeah. the son. Yeah, yeah. Norman, Norman Bates was, uh, I don't know about physically, but definitely, I feel like mentally emotionally abused by his mother and uh that definitely scarred him as you would imagine it would so i feel like it takes a lot of that from the story that uh that you had told last week about mr ed gein uh not as bad with like the chairs being made of um human skin or the uh i know you know where i'm going with this the infamous nipple belt i thought we established it was a nipple necklace nipple ne well they never found that. He probably had that tucked away somewhere. <laughs> and the nipple suspenders as well. Uh, bib overalls and things, which, which you said. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, so so you can definitely tell there's some there's some influence there. Uh, the mommy issues. Uh, if, if anybody has ever watched um, Bates Motel, um, they kind of touch more on that in depth in that show, which... The mommy. I'm not yeah. gonna pretend that I've watched every episode, every season of that, but I've seen most of the first season, if not all of it. Who so. stars as the mother, by the way? Oh, the very sexy, very, very beautiful Vera Formiga. Oh, mm. yeah, yep. about her on an You want to talk <laughs> about a nipple belt? <laughs> she's just amazing in everything she's in. So hot. Want to touch the hind? Yeah, she is a she is a very beautiful woman. But yeah. So another similarity would have been just like how these sons had to watch their mothers pretty much do this horrible stuff. I mean, they had to deal with it, yes. which in turn messed them up. Yeah. 
And if you don't know the story about Psycho, you should probably stop this and go watch it. But it's a pretty old movie by now. So Hitchcock yeah. begged people not to give away the twist to the end of his movie. So yeah. Yeah. that's how big it was for that time. There you go. The cool thing about that movie, without the background of the Bates Motel that we have now, which was written on top of the storyline that they'd already started. But looking at just the movie, they explain it at the end to where it explains in the movie that Norman killed the mother and her lover. He killed his mother and his psyche split, which is a calling card of the 1940s and 50s uh, kind of psychiatric uh, kind of viewpoints at the time. And they were starting, you know, just at that time, starting to read up on and and study what the mind uh, could do. And, you know, you're working from Sigmund Freud on. So there's a lot of crazy uh, kind of stuff going on at the end of this film. And they went way overboard at the end when they started explaining, the psychiatrist started explaining, you know, like, well, is she a... He had to take on the uh, psyche of, of the mother when, you know, all this happened. And, and I don't know, it's just, they, they explained too much, I thought. I don't know if multiple or split personalities actually work that way, but it was, a, it was a cool, convenient way to explain away the mother and his psyche, Norman's psyche. So, you know, I, it, it worked, but it didn't work. I don't know. And, you know, that was a shocking revelation to audiences in the 50s. And this is coming off the hills of the Ed Gein trial, you know, where they kind of took him away and, and you know, he was, he was found guilty and they put him in a mental institution, which is probably what they needed to do anyway. You know, I don't think he deserved the death penalty. This guy was mentally unstable, and I think the state was showing, in my estimation, that... Uh, this is what, you know, you should do with people like that. So, like, this movie was just taking that a step further and adding these extra kills and this split personality, which they never even said Ed Gein really had in the trial. He never talked to himself. He made nipple belts, mm -hmm. but he never tried to take on the mother's personality or anything. He was just so attached to her that he was devastated when she died. But that was his goal, right? With uh, the skin yeah. suit, trying to become his mother? It's kind of what they said about it. I don't know if that's exactly what was proven. I mean, he talked about it, and that was probably their guess, I guess. He made you yeah, a belt, best, mother. Their best guess on what he was actually doing. He literally made her into a I made you a belt, mother. <laughs> Do you guys remember much about the beginning of the movie, though? The reason Psycho was such a salacious movie for the time is because they showed back then if somebody did something horrible on screen, the censors made you get punished on screen. And that was the Hayes Production Code. And this was basically uh, ran by a group of Catholics and a postmaster general. Uh, and they would, it was before they had basically. Uh, the uh, ratings boards and they would like try to show what people can actually do uh, on screen, you know, what was ethical. Well, that eventually stopped 
uh, and started going away, but this movie just took everything a step further in the 50s. So you um, saw you saw a woman having an affair with a guy that didn't have a lot of money, and the only way the only way that you could get this guy to leave his wife was by stealing money from this bank and creating a new life for yourselves. So right off the bat, they did two things that were really, really wrong. So the first of this movie was an an ingenious setup by the writers and Hitchcock. It it wasn't about the murders at all. It was about um, an illicit affair and a salacious uh, kind of relationship and a robbery. So little Norman Bates, who stands in for little Eddie Gein, uh, is actually like this guy that just pops up and he meets this woman who actually, by the way, is the real life mother of who? Uh, Jamie Lee Curtis. Jamie Lee Curtis from Halloween. What? That was her real mother from Psycho. She was famous at the time. She was the shower scene, right? Shower scene girl Vivian Lee was her name. And she was very famous and she was married to another famous actor. Tony Curtis, who starred in another horror film called The Hillside Strangler, and he was also in a bunch of comedies. So they were a famous family already. And that's what was shocking about this movie. Never before had anybody ever seen the main star getting killed the first 30 minutes of a film. She got killed not only in a regular way, but in the most brutal way you can imagine for a film of this time. Because she was well-known back then, wasn't she? Well-known. Everybody knew her as an A-list actress. And there there were actually books written on the shower scene, uh, how precise it was and how he made these cuts. I mean, it's just a wonderful scene. Didn't show any nudity. Showed kind of a breast and a butt, but it was really out of focus. No actual stabs and penetration. And they would ask test audiences, how brutal was that scene? And, and they were like, oh, you know, you could see the knife going in and out of her and it's just blood everywhere. It was horrible. And there was nothing. There was none of that. It was just all in your mind. It was chocolate syrup at the end. The rest of it was just a knife going next to her skin and a knife going back and forth in the air. It never showed anything. It was just a bunch of quick cuts. Very PG for this time now, but back then it was, this is crazy. Like what you saw. But it's actually the what you can't see that gets you in that yeah. movie. Because and it tricked people's minds into thinking they saw something they didn't see. Your mind's more powerful than anything you can see on screen. And then when she gets killed, it becomes Ed Gein, Norma Bates' story. So the actual Norma Bates story is a lot more, even though it's crazier, is a lot more tame as far as storytelling. And I think that the writers and then the way that Hitchcock filmed it brought a lot more characterization and realization that we're not safe now. Because up to that time, it was like sci-fi horror and War of the Worlds, goofy Martian men stuff. Stuff that couldn't kill you, but this shit was real. This was a serial killer. And it made people go home and rethink their entire existence and society. Mm-hmm. Just to be your neighbor. Exactly. And to me, that's that's why Psycho's great. Even though it's tame, it's 
it's very important in film history because it brought about the killer next door could be anybody you know. And that's terrifying. Absolutely. So anything else you guys want to talk about, Psycho? I think to me, the terrifying thing was, as a kid watching this movie, was at the end, spoiler alert, at the end when Norman, when she walks in the room and Norman Bates is dressed as mother and he turns around he's got that crazy look on his face and he's got the knife and he runs at her. Oh God, that terrified me as a child. Yeah. And, and the guy grabs him. He's like, oh, did you ever see the remake to this movie? The Vince Vaughn one? The Vince Vaughn? No. Yeah. And it was Gus Van Zandt directing. It was a shot by shot remake of the exact same film. Shot by shot. It's not it's not good if you watch the original. I mean, I like Vince Vaughn and Anne Heche, but I mean, it's like why? You know, it's like if you if you took a classic like Back to the Future and did a shot shot by shot remake of it now. I mean, what would be the purpose? And from the blank look on your faces, I guess it really did have no purpose. Uh, you know, all the all the par- other parts to it that got more gory and less money. Uh, and this pitiful remake of Gus Van Zandt, I guess, really had no purpose. But the original still holds true today. Uh, it's an all-time classic, and it was very influential. So let's talk an- about another uh, influence from the Ed Gein story. Let's talk about the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Now, I'm in the minority here. These two guys really are not fans of this movie at all. Um, I love this movie, and let's talk about The Texas Chainsaw Massacre, which is kind of funny and ironic because there's really not a lot of truth to the story besides the Egg Gein story. A lot of people thought that movie was a real story, and it really happened because... That's not a real family? (laughs) The way it opens, oh. though, it almost makes you seem like it makes it seem like a true story because it tells like that little scrolling story at the beginning, you know, warning yeah. this really happened. Kind of, you remember all that? We didn't yeah. really talk about that, but that, and then right before they get into the the graveyard robbing, yeah, robbery, robbings, <laughs> robbings. I don't think that's a word. Is it robbings? <laughs> we'll, we'll make it plural. <laughs> we can work with it. So. Interesting story here. I'm I'm a minority here because I like the Texas Chainsaw Massacre and the Ians do not, not. fans <laughs> at all. Not well, fans I, I at like all. The remake with Jessica Biel. I like chainsaws. I don't mind massacres, but I don't like the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. So you like the remake? You didn't like the original, right? What what made it what made it different? The same story. I don't know. I think it. I don't know. I think maybe it was just acted better. Maybe I cared about the characters a little bit more in the remake. Yeah. Had more of a story. It was more of a Hollywood-type movie. Yeah, definitely. It definitely made you feel for the characters more. The original... Let me let me get into how much I hated Franklin. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, I thought he was whiny. I, okay, he's in a wheelchair. I get it. Yeah. I feel for him. Okay? I feel bad. And... The problem with that is when he's in the car, we're there in the van, they pick up the hitchhiker. First of all, how common was it in the 70s to just pick up a random hitchhiker like that? 
Probably pretty common. You know what I mean? Like, I would say way more common than now, but I, I mean, I don't know. I mean, it was peace, love. People trusted each other. Okay, gotcha. Like, it was kind of that. I mean, they were. But, like, get on in, man. They were definitely more of a kind of hippie kind of crew, besides Franklin. Franklin. God. I kept I kept waiting for like somebody to come and end his suffering or somebody to come and end mine because him getting his like the hand cut scene and everything he's just I don't know everything about him and then like him him yelling for Sally was his sister I Sally. Was her name Sally Sally you take me with you Sally I'll go with you <laughs> Five minutes straight. It's like Jesus Christ, Sally, just fucking take him already. I feel like we're getting better impersonations this time around. Oh, God. <laughs> 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 and the whole like, and and the entire movie was just them blowing like <laughs> with their tongue the whole time. Oh, you got me. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah. yeah, I don't know why they kept doing that the entire time. I was like, that's not entertaining. Yeah, it's, yeah. It actually made me laugh my ass off when he did that. It was. Why were they taking a vacation to a crappy, shitty old house that was like falling apart too? It wasn't like I I understand like they were going out there for their to make sure their grandpa's grave wasn't this great or whatever, and then it was like their dad's old house and going and and reminiscing the old house part. I didn't mind, but like you said, it was all dilapidated and shit. Yeah, I don't even think it was a fucking door. So it's like if you pull up and see that, like all right, well there it is. (laughs) Turn around and leave. The screen door there. Yeah. So, just the whole situation where Franklin's like, I want to go with you, Sally. And she's like, give me the flashlight. <laughs> That's not how she said it, but still. Them arguing over the flashlight, like the, just the dialogue to me was so cheesy and so bad. And the thing is, like, I've watched movies like we've talked about Psycho. Um, I like a lot of black and white movies. I, I like, you know, The Birds. I like... Um, thing from another planet like i like a lot of black and white movies and then if you if you go into the 70s like you've got the original halloween and then you go into the 80s and you've got friday the 13th and i like all these movies so it has nothing to do with the time period yeah it's it's the delivery for me yeah i just thought it was it was poorly done the acting was stupid. I, I actually the Jessica Biel remake you brought up I actually like that one. Yeah. It was definitely more brutal which Kind of More gore, sense, for sure. It's a man running around wielding a chainsaw. Yeah, it's called yeah. Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Yeah, so it, it does make sense for it to be a little bit more gruesome and bloody. Yeah. And, um, a lot of people don't die. It's not really a massacre. Here's, here's, that's a good point. So here's a point. Well, everybody but her died. Let's just get that straight. So here's the thing. It was a massacre. They killed... I, I want to know about one person and one person alone from this movie who I was the most concerned about. Leatherface? The truck driver. <laughs> the truck driver. He's running for his fucking life. He did. Oh, boy, he threw that fucking monkey wrench at him. Clocked him. <laughs> Clocked him. Knocked good. him down. Then, like when he knocked him down, and he and he he lays the chainsaw on his leg. First of all, wouldn't it have just idled? Yes. <laughs> you know what I mean. So, but it cuts his leg, and then he gets up and he takes off running after Sally, who jumps on the back of that. It's like, all right. I'll be the first to admit I've never cut myself with a chainsaw, but I'm pretty sure it's going to fuck up my day. Yeah. So I'm not going to be able to... I, I struggle to run right now, unchainsawed. <laughs> so 
He I'm does. Gonna, We've seen it. Yes. I struggle getting down means of stairs over here coming down to the basement. So, yeah, I'm not going to be able to I'm not going to be able to do that. And you think that the truck driver would have looped back around and jumped in the truck. But then when they got in the truck and he was like scraping the chainsaw on the side, it wasn't even penetrating. And they jump out the other side. Brother, just drive off. Yeah. Just drive. He takes off running. Yeah. The opposite the direction. On. The truck was on. Yeah. <laughs> no, I get it. He was scared. So. What do you think, Ian Wells? What do you think? Uh, well, you already told the people. I was not a big fan of the original. It's a disgusting movie. What I mean by that is it's very low budget even for the time. It's You can feel hot. your butt, butt crack sweating in this one. Yeah, people are dirty, and you can feel it. You can smell it probably. Just, you smell the slaughterhouse. I don't know why, but it what he said, he said disgusting. All I can think of was Mel Brooks's Robin Hood Men in Tights, where they all throw the ears. Disgusting. disgusting. <laughs> Keep going. Yeah. Keep going. So, I'm getting a beer. Sorry. I was distracted by you getting a beer. You want I, one? I can tell. You want one? Yes, Good. I don't beer. I don't like beer. Fun fact Ian does not like beer. He hates beer. beer. Uh, also, fun fact: I told you all last week that I would try a whiskey sour. I finally tried that whiskey sour. It was good. It was good. It was good. Nice. My but first. this is midweek, so we can't drink too many whiskey sours. That's right. Well, shouldn't. I don't know if I can. I can't. Those so, those guys could put them away. I'm sure. I I agree with you. That about whiskey sour was sweeter than that first Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Oh my god. Was it Franklin for you? Is that what really, or was it the I get, so when you say it was disgusting, you're talking about like it's sweaty, it's hot. Well, you can just feel the nastiness <laughs> in the movie. Stunk, you just stunk well, watching. They it. talk about like what's it's like that a scratch smell? and sniff yeah. sticker. <laughs> what's this one? <laughs> it's ass. Oh god! It's athlete's foot. Pig anus. Yeah, they're driving by the slaughterhouse and they're just like, oh, what's that smell? And they're like, oh, the old slaughterhouse is near here. Yeah, I, I, I agree with what both of you guys have said so far. And then, like, when when the couple walks up to the house and the guy walks in and he gets clobbered in the head the first time, serves you right. What are you going to somebody's house for? What's wrong with you? Yeah. Everybody walked in that That's house. Yeah. Everybody just walked in. I yeah. clubbed in the head, too. Se- 70s must be, like, back then you didn't lock doors, you picked up hitchhikers. Yeah. Everything was pretty no freewheeling. But I mean, in hindsight, though, you guys grew up in the 90s, right? right. Yeah. Late 80s, early 90s. Late early, yep. I grew up in the 70s, early 80s. And my mom made sure I was terrified of kidnappers. I, I was the exact <laughs> opposite. My mom was like, times. you see the street light on, come home. Yeah. I went anywhere in our town I wanted on a bike with my crew. And we did anything we wanted, including hitchhiking. And I actually hitchhiked when I was little. I would hitchhike to baseball games. It happened. It was supposed to be that way when we were growing up, too. The streetlights, when the streetlights come once on. Yeah. When I was a kid, once. Well, I've never heard this From story. Hanover to Indiana. Well, excuse <laughs> me. Hanover to Indiana. Hanover to Madison. Hanover's in Indiana. Take you very far, did yeah. Hey. It was two college girls that picked this up, though. Ow! But you know what? They could have been psycho killers. They could have. Still not really cool. 
So, so my take on me being the one guy that likes this movie, okay, and you guys just shit all over my childhood. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'll, I'll, I'll be honest. Like you said off camera a while ago, or actually the first time we tried to tape this episode, because we messed up. I'll, I'll say I messed up. Goofed. I don't know what happened, but it didn't tape. We had a lot of gems, but we're going to get more gems with this one. So uh, I did grow up in the 70s. I'm older than you guys, and I think a little bit of it's nostalgia, but also a little bit of it, a little bit is you guys grew up after all this stuff happened, mm, after the slasher craze, after the, you know. So you guys are a little more jaded because you guys got to see a lot more than I did. Plus, you were part of the internet age where you could see a lot more than I did. Like, I had to, like, I mean. That was for rich people. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, the internet didn't come along for us for a while. But I'm saying, like, you guys actually, like, I didn't have internet till I was a junior in college. Like, I, you know what I'm saying? Like, so, like, when I was young, we had three channels. We didn't even have cable yet. So, it's like, I watched Sammy Terry and stuff like that. I still, still think that that probably influenced me more because when I did start renting this stuff on VHS tape for the first time, it was shocking to see the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. And I watched it 10 years after it came out. You see what I'm saying? So you're talking mid seventies. I watched it early, not 10 maybe, but early eighties, 82, 83 is when I watched it, which was shocking to me. Right. You guys like, are seeing all these other movies and comparing them, and you're saying the new one's better. I'm saying the old one, in my personal opinion, is better because it doesn't tell a story that's linear like you're used to. Because it doesn't have definite recognizable acting. You're saying it's bad acting. I say it's realistic acting. Because that guy, Franklin, was an asshole. His sister was boring. Everybody on that trip was stoned. They didn't have anything going on with the story besides they were going to get slaughtered. Now, if you look at, and I talked about this on the one that we fucked up, (laughs) right? So I'm just going to throw that out there. There I'm going to talk about it again. This stuff came after the 60s, after, you know, we saw JFK and, and Robert Kennedy and Martin Luther King and Malcolm X, and we saw all those tragedies. Before that, America was like golden. Janis Joplin, Jimi Hendrix overdosing. We saw all those tragedies, and it affected America, and it affected the youth and the counterculture. America was no longer safe. We couldn't trust people. And to me, that spoke the realism, the grittiness from the 60s movies and the 70s movies was a direct reaction to that, the Kent State shootings, stuff like that. So it's like, yeah, the acting was basic, because they were trying to make those people basic. They were trying to make them, they were us. They weren't acting like us. Jennifer Bill is a pretty version of acting like us. She's a good actress, but she's a beautiful version of us. These people were just friggin' no names that we see now as looking like it's bad acting, but it wasn't bad acting. It was acting normal. And the normalcy and then that craziness that happens was to me a direct reaction to what the 60s and 70s were in America. America was fucked up. America was reeling from all these deaths and the the downfall of what we viewed as 
a Christian nuclear family society, you know, all American society. And it was, we know the underbelly of America has racism, has sexism, has violence, has drugs, has things that are unpredictable. And to me, that's why Toby Hooper was a genius in the way he pulled this off because you didn't feel safe when you were watching this movie. You didn't feel like, and I know you're saying it was like campy, but to me it was like, it's not campy in the way that a Tucker and Dale is or a Friday the 13th is. It was campy in that it seemed basic and it seemed cheesy, but to me the realism that was there was because it was basic. That's just my take on it. No, I, I understand what you're saying, but like I said, that's why I threw in the fact that I appreciate movies like the older than that, like from that era, and uh, like uh, the the original Halloween that came out in the late '70s. Like I I love that movie. We 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 did a whole episode on it. Mm-hmm. And, I uh, still enjoy the original. Last Halloween. House on the Left. We talked about. Last, yeah, we we and and I can still appreciate like movies like that. It's just this one to me was just a little too out there, a little too silly, a little too clumsy for me. And like I said, I horror movies. There's always illogical uh, things happening. Like like I said, like the truck driver. Why did he get out of the car and run away? Well, I mean, a lot of horror movies. It's like. If you're getting chased by a stalker killer, why would you run upstairs? Yeah. You're going to be trapped. Yeah. So I can I can understand there's goofy things going on in any kind of horror movie you watch. And I won't let it ruin it for me because it's, I mean, it's become common. It's, it's it, it happens. And I get that they're also trying to say, well, when you're scared shitless, you're going to do things you don't normally do because mm-hmm. you're not thinking clearly. Yeah. You just... You're standing by a door. Somebody's breaking in. You need to get away. Mm-hmm. So the first thing you're going to try to do is get as far away from possible. If you don't have a clear route running out the back, you're going to run upstairs. And I get that. So I try to I try to incorporate that into my thought process of what the fuck are these people doing? So I just thought, you know, Franklin was annoying as shit. And I get that you you said that he he was sp- supposed to be kind of nerdy and annoying. And but God, I. I, it's just it's cringy I, I to watch I, I didn't care about any of the characters even like Sally at the end at a point like I kind of did want her to get away but at the same time it's just like I didn't really she feel didn't, you don't care. for her yeah. you weren't rooting against her to get hurt yeah though. like it wasn't like your typical Friday the 13th where you're kind of rooting against the teenagers and you're rooting for Jason right, right it was but that's that's why I say it's almost like unsettling and that's why I think millions of people disagree with you dudes and think this is an excellent film, like including a lot of, a lot of, you know, film studies professors and they put right. it in their, in their actual film studies class when they don't usually horror, because I think they were showing that counterculture and how the craziness of that film was because it was unsettling. You didn't know where it was going to go. You didn't know how far they were going to push it. You didn't know she was going to survive Sometimes you didn't care, but it was like, what the fuck would I do in that situation? You're just going right. from room to room. You're seeing, which, by the way, going back to the Ed Gein episode, she, the first one that that one girl that gets put on the meat hook, she runs into the room. There's like the bone chair sofa yeah. and like the chicken in the cage and the feathers everywhere. And like, that was the thing, too. She was just like, she looked so terrified. Like, oh my God, it's a chicken. I was like, what the fuck was going on back in the 70s? <laughs> Does they not have chickens? Did they have chickens in houses though, <laughs> with like bone chairs next to them? The bone chairs, they I can understand. In houses. 
And that was another thing I didn't like either. The shots. The the way he he was he was really tight shots well, on their eyeballs I, and I had no problem reaching with that, weird zones, bringing it close and then and then zooming away to go to something else and like jumping back and forth about fifteen times. It's like brother, chill out. But didn't it make you uncomfortable? No. Okay. Maybe annoyed. Speaking I didn't, of shots, I didn't have like yeah. zooming in on her face like that, especially toward the end when they she were had, at the when they're at the dinner table when they go to her the eyeball. Most gorgeous green eyes I'd ever seen on a woman. So I did not feel uncomfortable. Yeah. I felt mesmerized by those beautiful <laughs> eyes. Um, so I'd have no problem with them zooming bow, in. Chicka, wow, like, wow. God damn right. So I've got no problem with any of that kind of shit there. Like, you can zoom in and you can you mm-hmm. can try to make me uncomfortable doing that. That's fine. It was the random shots, like jumping back and yeah. forth. I just didn't like how he chose to do that personally. Now, speaking of shots, I think we can all at least agree that this movie has like one of the most iconic... Ending scenes in a horror movie ever, with the yeah. chainsaw wielding maniac just into the sunset. With the chainsaw into the sunset, yeah, that's classic. You can't beat it. Yeah, I mean it's definitely iconic, but again, what's going on with that leg, man? What's going on with the leg? Yeah, he dropped a chainsaw on it. It cut his leg. <laughs> And you have no problem with Freddie, uh, Freddie Freddy or Jason or Michael getting shot and beheaded and everything else, now, but they still come back. What you just said was supposed to be Michael. more supernatural. This movie was supposed to be more realism. But like, it does it does oh, explain shit, that he's really like happen. more he's more stout than the other ones. He's stronger. He doesn't feel pain from his abuse from his childhood. Now they explain that later on. But I was like, it's, say, I didn't get that. I've, I've seen the second one, but I didn't really. Paid that much attention because I thought it was so ridiculous. Yeah, like like the the older like the ones that are prequels ends up kind of telling his backstory to where he was abused a lot. He grew yeah, up like kind of tough those, and stuff yeah. like that. So. Anybody who would wear another person's face as a mask is probably not going to feel pain. Well, another thing that it throws with Ed Gein, like I the Ed Gein story about him making the the suit out of his the body parts to emulate his mom. Leatherface has multiple masks, and one of them is a face with makeup that he put on it, yeah. and it shows that in the first one. Yeah, that that's was a, that was the dinner scene too. Yeah, so that's kind of interesting that he dresses up for the dinner, but he doesn't dress up as a man. He dresses up as a woman. He doesn't wear her clothes, but he wears her face. And the grandpa thing. Oh God, I can't tell you how long that's haunted my my nightmares. It's just like in a cringy way. Not that I was even scared. It's just. Get her, Grandpa. Get her. <laughs> I hear that voice. He keeps on dropping the, dropping the... Oh, Grandpa's the best killer we got. Oh, you won't feel a thing. He can't even hold the fucking hammer. <laughs> they put her over a pail, first of all. John Dugan, you did a great job on that, by the way, yeah. if you're listening to the podcast. He was actually a really young guy. There. He was really young at the yep. time, yeah. So all I had to do was sit there while somebody lifted his hand and <laughs> held this hammer and he just threw it at her. Excuse me. I think uh, Toby Hooper, his calling card's all over it. I think uh, you see that in Poltergeist. You see it in Life Force, some of his other movies he's done. I think he did Life Force. But anyway, to where like he flips what our normal expectations are upside down and totally makes us uncomfortable in a family setting. And I think that's, you know, even though they were friends, the main family was the Sawyer family. They weren't a family you expect and their dynamic was totally weird and upside down, and it's not something. And I think that 
kind of was a something that future directors used because they've referenced the Texas Chainsaw Massacre a lot. And, you know, it's definitely, you could, I mean, you could tell it's a lower budget film, but it's a lower budget film that has, to me, meaning. And I know you say that chaos has no meaning, but I feel like chaos has meaning. I mean, it can. I definitely agree with you there. I just, I, I just didn't see it in this one. All right. Personally. Anything else on this? I, I don't think so. Did you watch? You're such a smooth operator. Okay? <laughs> I don't think it's so. The beer. I don't it's think the, so. It's the whiskey sours. <laughs> Did you watch the uh, the uh, the sequel that they made like back in uh, like 2014 or something like that? That was supposed to take place exactly where the uh, first one left off. Yeah, yeah. Did you like that one? It was. I thought mm, it had potential. Yeah, and it was it all right. A weird turn. The do your thing I mean, they've had they've had so many that like down. it's like part two was just totally bonkers. I agree. I didn't hate part two. I just that it was that's, that's it was literally more of a, a it was more of a eighties slasher than anything. It did to me. It lost the grittiness. It became more camp and funny than the first one by far to me because I think the chop top character and the radio DJ and like uh, Texas, uh, the Leatherface trying to act like he was having sex with her, but it, he couldn't, so he was like doing his little saw between her legs, all that stuff. I, I mean, it it got campy, I think. Then they did part three, which was an awesome slasher, but once again, it was not realistic at all. So I, I think after the first one, they just lost the whole tone of what I thought the Texas Chainsaw Massacre was about, Can't and it became. You didn't mention the Matthew McConaughey. Yeah, the next generation. I was gonna mention that. It had a uh, what's the girl? Renee Zellweger. Zellweger. Yeah, she was in that. So, I mean, it's, I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a slasher series that, you know, I think they they were just trying to make bank off of, and even the remakes are trying to make bank off of them. I don't know. I know you hate the original. I think the original is the only good, really good one out of the entire canon. Like, I, the remakes are just remakes to me. Yeah, they had Arlie Ermey in it, and I thought that was kind of cool because he's, he's an awesome, like, crazy dad. Actually, I can't stand him <laughs> as an actor. But you didn't like him? No, I, I never really like anything he's in. That's, he's just always screaming. He's always screaming. He always seems like a Marine yeah. drill sergeant. He plays the same character. In every yeah, movie. he does. He's definitely not an actor, but, I mean, he does. To me, he does well in the one thing he does, but it's always the same thing. Yeah, but, was he even a he was even a drill instructor in a uh, uh, frighteners one. What are you saying, Ian? I'm sorry. <laughs> Just say Speak, it, boy. <laughs> Speak. Who Ian's got a pee? <laughs> that bad? Yeah. All right. All right. So we're gonna wrap it up for this episode because uh, Ian's got to go take a restroom break. Yep. Uh, all right. Well. You know, Texas Chainsaw Massacre definitely had some direct influences from the Ed Gein story as long, as far as, you know, the, the suit and collecting body parts and cutting things up and having the mommy issues. And the graveyard. Uh, the graveyard. So it's it, it's got a lot of elements, but it was more realistic based. Uh, I think the psycho had more of a, the psychological base for the mother and son kind of dynamic. Um, so I'm glad we talked about that. Uh, so that was our episode and our movies on Ed Gein. So we are the horror, you know, podcast. I'm Darren. 
I'm Ian. And I'm also Ian. And we will catch you next time. Make sure you follow us on all the socials and check out our podcast on uh, Anchor. Make sure you share them with all your friends and family. And I don't know what else to say. Instagram, Facebook, TikTokers, whatever you're into, we're probably on there. Anything else, Smooth Ian? I'm going to start calling you Smooth Ian. Is that right? Yeah, I like that. Smooth Ian. Ian and Smooth Ian. Yeah. I have to come up with a name for you. Rough Ian. Rough Ian. Smooth. <laughs> <laughs> I'm rough. Accurate. I'm smooth. <laughs> that was pretty accurate. All right, guys. We'll check you later. I'll see you next week. Bye. Bye. In the dead of night, when the moon is high, and the shadows dance.